We were there at the dawn of the Third Age of Mankind, in the Earth year 2257, deep in neutral space. We were there when the last of the Babylon stations was founded. The name of the pod is Babylon 5. Episode 20, Babylon Squared, in which the lost Babylon 4 station reappears just as mysteriously as it vanished. We get a glimpse of the future, and Delenn gets an exciting new job offer. Welcome to The Name of the Pod, your favorite Babylon 5 podcast, blah, blah, blah. You've been here for 20 episodes, you know how this goes. I am one of your co-hosts, Chris Tatro, and with me as always... Hi, Chris. John Cassie here. Am I assuming too much? Oh, I don't know. I mean, look, I mean, good grief. We're nearly done with season one. If you're still listening, you made it. You made it through Sargasso C one. You made it through Sargasso C two. You you not only did you watch Survivors, but you listened to us talk about it, and you're still listening to us, and we're still having a great time with this. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, with this program that that delights and vexes. Uh, you know, in sometimes in equal measure, but gives us some really good stuff to chew on to really understand. Uh, you know late 20th and early 21st century sci-fi. Exactly. You know, as we've said before, and, and yes, I was, I was being, I was being recklessly flipped in my introduction, <laughs> but, uh, but really, I, I, you know, we've said, I don't think you get a space above and beyond. I don't think that you get a Babylon, uh, I'm sorry, a Battlestar Galactica. I don't think that you get an expanse. Um, maybe you don't even get a Star Trek discovery without Babylon five laying the, laying the groundwork. Right. Right. Yeah, let, for better or worse, in, in each of those individual cases, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, each of those shows um, owes a part of what it is to this program, mm-hmm. and indeed, I think if you if you project, you know, forward from this show, most of sci-fi television, most of the people producing those shows have clearly seen this one, mm-hmm. and 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 they're they're riffing. To some extent, on some of the themes and tone and concepts and uh, kind of long form, non uh, non uh, non episodic nature of yes. this, you know, of this program. Yeah, nobody was doing this kind of serialized, big picture storytelling. Right. Or very, very few, I should say. Yeah, it, I, I mean, you know, look, if if we're, if we're in this time, what do we have? We have X Files. Mm-hmm. Which structurally is virtually the same. You know, you've got a mythology, yeah, more, a lot more loosey goosey, and a lot more made up as it went, though. Totally, totally. I, 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 I hear people who say, you know, that X Files, much like Lost, that everything was written and you know known at the start. At the start, and I don't believe either one of those things for a second. Yeah, no, I don't believe either of them for a second either. Uh, but it does have a mythology, and it does also mm-hmm. do these kind of monster of the week kind of episodes, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. and there is a carrying through of relationship depth of references of uh, of the expectation that the audience will know what's being talked about in episode yeah. episode three, season seven. That was referenced in episode 21, season three. You know, there's this sort mm-hmm. of expectation of that um, that yeah. really, you know, in, 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 yeah, go. But I was just thinking, but in, in X Files in particular, you can really distill the seven because there were only seven seasons of that show uh, <laughs> down to, you know, a good couple dozen episodes and get the main mythology, get the main yep. sort of through story of that. And and you will you will leave piles of Monster of the Week episodes in your wake yeah. behind you unwatched. Yeah. Fine. Um, Deep Space Nine, I think you can do the same thing. Yep. At least with the early, the first half of the show. Sure. Second half, you, you're really much more ingrained. Babylon 5, I don't think that you can you can't do, do it. a lot of that. Because even in the most throwaway episodes, you know, that we have seen in this first season and, and ones that we wish we could forget, there's there's five minutes or there's there's a piece or, or a, a plot element that's going to come back. Yeah, you know, you're totally right. Very important down the road. And uh, um, 
in in this particular episode, now that we're five minutes in, <laughs> um, we'll talk about which episode we're talking about. Uh, this is you know, talking about Babylon Squared today, uh, where we've we've gotten mentions so far of the the past Babylon stations, in particular Babylon Four, which just up and vanished. Mm-hmm. And here's where we learn, or we we. We don't learn what happened to it, but we learn something about where it ends up, mm-hmm. at least for now. Well, we get to see it, don't we? And, we do. And we, we, we get to experience the, uh, the utter chaos of its last, of its last hours, mm-hmm. you know, where it was built and doing what it was meant to do, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, three hours away. We don't know distance necessarily because we don't know how fast these star furies can can go but we know that it's three hours away from from where they ended up building babylon 5 yeah not sure why we talked last week about you know who decided to put babylon 5 around epsilon 3 right (laughs) Right. it's just a coincidence right um but apparently that was the first one to be there because otherwise they were just out in the middle of no place Um, right or further out in the system who knows but uh uh, yeah, and there's uh, there's notes online that that, it, that that say that Babylon Four was built out there, uh, that all the other Babylon stations were built more or less in the same place, and that mm-hmm. that some of the kind of flotsam and jetsam from the destruction of the previous three stations was used to build Babylon Four. Well, that makes sense. You've got we we've also talked about the difficulty of transporting. Uh, raw material, transporting materials, building materials, right, supplies right. out here into the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah, if, if something's been blown up or just fell apart, then at least you can you know salvage some of the right. some of the stuff. Right, right. And you know, again, they built five of these stations. <laughs> in it's only been ten right. years since the end of the Earthmanbari War. I can't even imagine you know, it. I. Good yeah, grief! They're they're they're. We, they're rebuilding the the highway interchange uh, right. Right down the road from me, and they've they've been doing that for two years. Right, you know, and that's on Earth. You know, you can breathe here. Right, right, uh. yeah. You 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 think about a very, a, a, not even a dramatic highway yeah. uh, uh, contract and construction yeah. project, really anywhere in the United States, and it's like. Get it done in a year, two years? Are you, no, there's no way, no. right? It's been about a year and a half renovating the library in my home, in my in my town here, right? You know, and that's just a library, and it was already there. I can't make it anyway. You know. Again, right. again, we, right. we're 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 having trouble staying on topic here today a little bit. Right. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see where that right. gets yeah. us. It, it's it's but, not yeah, like we, it's not like they drug Mir out of the uh, out of the ocean and put it back into space. Yeah. Look, let's just renovate. And we'll call it Babylon 1. What the hell, right? That's good. Yeah, yeah it's good it's, enough. It still works. Right. Yeah, throw some duct tape on that thing. Yeah, um, good grief. Yeah, bigger station. Much, much bigger station, apparently, from the notes that I that I'd read. It's right. supposed, supposed to be a lot larger in size. Yeah. Um, green instead of blue. Right. I think it's that Babylon... You, you know, you, you and I, you, you've had to listen to me riff about um, Starship Design. Mm-hmm. For you know, not only in this show, but you know, kind of uh, you know, all, all over the place. You know, our our point when you did the Trisha, uh, the Trisha O'Neill reveal. You know, and we talked about how USS Enterprise NCC one seven zero one C is the best of all enterprises. Yes. Uh, I think Babylon. Our, our love, uh, yeah, go, our love of ship porn goes way back. Way back. Yeah, that's an Alaska class. Alaska class. That's right. According to the the. The Fossa uh, Star Trek game from the from the nineties and at eighties. That was some poster that we had. Absolutely, the, the I don't know, but yeah. God, I wish I could find uh, those posters. Mm. Yeah, a separate issue. Uh, yes, I think that, um, like the Enterprise C, I think the Babylon Four is the more beautiful and elegant looking station. Hmm. Uh, I mean, Babylon yeah. Five is fine, right? I mean, it's 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 interesting, it's distinct, yeah. whatever. But I thought that Babylon Four had a little bit of uh, I had a little bit of style to it. I liked mm. looking at it, and yeah, the design of Five never really did anything for me. I have to say, as a, the station itself, as much as I like a lot of the other designs in the show, uh-huh. it, it just it didn't it, it didn't do anything. It, yeah, it still doesn't do anything yeah. for me. It was it was fine. But I thought Babylon mm-hmm. Four was interesting looking, and maybe maybe a bit more Mimbari feeling yeah. than uh, yeah, than Babylon Five, that. which Babylon Five feels very much like an Earth station. Um, 
but um, I I think that when when you look at what this program should have gotten a lot more kudos for, and I've said this a hundred times, is it's it's design work, it's computer animation work. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was properly credited at its time, but you can imagine, you know, I I I would think even more credit being given in, uh, you know, kind of sci-fi land for yeah. for some of that work because. Um, yeah, I mean, the problem is a lot of the CGI was just in its infancy yep. at the time that it was being used and there've been such strides, but, but, you know, even you know, anything that comes out and there's CGI work in it, even today with the most, you know, the biggest budget and money thrown at it hand over fist, there are going to be detractors saying, Oh, that looked so fake. Babylon five's stuff looks better when it's not moving as much, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. is, is, is key. Um, or, you know, when, when you've got a very involved, space battle like we saw last week in voice and wilderness mm-hmm. um and there's a lot of moving stuff going around it doesn't it doesn't feel like stuff has enough weight mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm saying this about things in space so you know whatever but you know there's 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 it just things don't look like they're moving correctly it's it's jarring it's that uncanny valley mm-hmm. kind of <clears throat> element but when you have things like a station that's just kind of sitting there and revolving slowly or the shuttles from last time that were descending into a crevice and there wasn't a lot of other background elements. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't a sense of movement. I thought, I thought stuff looked really good. You know, still shots of things in the series, I think still look mm-hmm. really good. Not as detailed as they might be today mm-hmm. with all these greebles all over them. And right. Whatnot. But, <laughs> right, uh, right. It's, uh, it's, it's, it, yeah, this is this is a nice looking. I'm looking at pictures of it right now. It's a nice looking, uh, nice looking station. Looks kind of like a, looks a lot like a Dremel. I might use to, uh, you know, repair a chair around the house or something. Hmm. But um, yeah, it's got that nice sort of tapered nose piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Doesn't look as as thrown together as B five does. Right. Well, and and maybe that's a maybe that's kind of a. Uh, you know, a marker. Feature not a bug. Yeah, yeah, right, right. That you know, Babylon Five. Y- y- you know, was okay. Let let's get even more lower bid contracts. Yeah. Right. Like. No. You know, let's let's not throw a lot of money at this one because who knows what's going to happen to it. Right. In, because we're going to need more money for Babylon days. Six. Right. Yeah. When this yeah, when the this thing. Yeah. The warranty's not going to expire before this. We're taking this thing back into the shop. Right. Or or it's just blown up or caught on fire and fallen into the swamp. Right. Um, right. Uh, mm. Now, having said that, uh, you know the the exteriors beautiful. Mm. Yeah. The the interiors. Mm. Mm. It's a lot of the same you know, hallway and cargo bay sets that we've got uh, from Babylon Five with just green light instead of blue, right? Or or regular light. Everything's got the greenish tinge to it. Uh, and and yeah, I mean yes, it was a half built. You know what? I I would like. I guess this one was fully was almost almost completed. But I I would almost like to see a a, a half built station more than it being sort of completed and, and almost operational when it when it went vanished. I think that would be more visually interesting. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, I I would have I would have wanted. I would have wanted to meet its commander. Yeah, yeah. We got the major, but yeah, you know, he wasn't the he wasn't the commander. You know, we, we don't know who was going to be put in charge of this thing. Right, right. That would have been, I don't know. That would have been interesting. A nice little piece of detail. Mm. Um, and I think that as as these things go, the the station is going to be it's it's falling apart. Mm-hmm. We've got twenty seconds before yeah. we're we're all going to be killed. Well, I'm not going to be killed by toilet paper rolls and and you know a giant cardboard box mm. painted silver. Yeah, I mean, it, it re- was really. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, you know, that had sort of a, a high couple hundred more theater. bucks. You know. Yeah, yeah. There was it was it wasn't as, it wasn't a convincing. This whole thing is falling apart because, well, because the whole thing looks like it's built from cardboard to begin with. Right. Um, you know, we 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 can set aside set design 
uh, for when it comes up on the Wheel of Pain. Um, right. And it will come up on the Wheel and of Pain. And it will come up on the Wheel of Pain, yes. But we... That, that I, I feel, is a is a is a weakness of most of the Babylon 5 sets and they're just using the same sets for this ship so which we I mean makes sense from a design point of view it's going to be you know built by a lot of the same subcrack subcontractors using a lot of the same design philosophies and whatnot right and so it's going to look the same but yeah there's a there's a there's a real cheapness when when the beams that are falling bounce you know, lightly off the floor, and you're like, oh, come on, really? Right, yeah, right, right. In an episode where there's a lot of action mm-hmm. and a lot of, you know, drama, stress, etc., mm-hmm. I was really taken out of that storytelling by And again, by how that. much of this is is 25 more years of special effects and, mm. and, and more budgets being thrown into television. Because I don't think there was a lot of budget being given to... to I mean, TV was definitely a, a very different thing from movies yeah. and, uh, and was seen as less than in any number of ways. You wouldn't be seeing... You know, I remember when it was a big deal that a movie star would, would take on a, a role right. in a TV show. Uh, you know, that, and that was shortly after or this time or around this time that, that kind of thing was was happening um yeah you know, instead of going from tv to movies so it's it's sort of the it's the redheaded stepchild and yeah right right it's it shows in the budgets and it shows in the in the in the cheesiness here right but uh you know they did what they could and you know they made more of a show of it than we have right more television shows than we have so. yeah indeed so I mean, look, I, I think that the uh, I, I think that the main idea here is we now have a sense of what it was disappeared to do, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the station has a role to play, not somewhere else, but some when else. Right. Okay. Yeah, I don't know that we know what it was. N- Pulled to no. do necessarily, but we know that it was pulled out of time as opposed to just disintegrated or right. you know, or or teleported someplace else. We do know that it was temporarily relocated, right? You know, over four years. Um, it's it's not clear. I mean, it, it's pretty clear that the crew seems like they've been suffering from this, you know, time weirdness effect or time madness right. for for some <clears throat> amount of time, right? Uh, but the you know the the I don't know that the, the what do they call them the timestamps all suggest that it's still four years ago. So yeah, you know how were they experiencing this? This jump wasn't an instantaneous kind of thing. Right, there was some sort of intermediary where they were they may have been bopping in and out of time or around time because they said, oh, it's happening again. Yeah, right. So right. This is clearly something that's that's gone on uh, uh, you know frequently for them. Right, and and. The the B story here of Ambassador Delenn more or less being appointed mm-hmm. leader of the Mimbari, you know, leader of the Great Council. I, I think that we're meant to see these stories as interlocking or relating, right? Mm-hmm. So is there some connection between this mystical the one and mm-hmm. what Delenn has spent the entire season, we learn, trying to do, which is to try to figure out whether this prophecy that she is focused on about humanity compels the Mimbari to do things or to act in certain ways that go even further than the surrender at the Battle of the Line. Mm -hmm. And... You know, I, I they're going to pay that off, you know, down the road. Right. But I, I think right. we're sort of meant to see these things as, you know, kind of relating. And, you know, the, the you know, the Mimbari, you know, the Grey Council, the way in which Mimbari society is governed, you know, we don't have enough really to go on other than to say, mm-hmm. all right, well, we have we have more. And that Delenn you know, by virtue of not accepting probably is putting Mimbari society on a path 
that uh, that that they can't foresee or that they uh, that they will not be able to control, you know, mm-hmm. in the way that, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah, no one in a thousand years has turned down the leadership of the Grey Council, they say. Right. So, right. So this is this is this is not there. There I think the Mimbari society is already kind of off their footing from right. surrendering in the war without necessarily knowing why. Yes. Um, it's not, it's it's pretty clear from, from the way that the other members of the Grey Council were talking, they don't necessarily all believe in this prophecy either. Correct. So maybe even to them it's not clear why did we surrender. Um, right. And there's, there's, so, so yeah, there's, there's some deep, there's some deep, ontological questioning going on within with, within Minbari society as a whole. For sure. And within the Grey Council specifically at this point. Um, the fact that she turns them down and uh, like, well, I guess we'll have to find somebody else. You know, you, you, but you, they, they don't have a plan B in place because no one turns them mm-hmm, down. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is now, you know, kind of a, well, what now, what do we do? Um, and as far as the connecting to this issue with the one, well, we know that Sinclair isn't the one mm-hmm. because Zathras, you know, the character find of 1994. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right, know, right. You know, looks, looks right at him and says, no, you're not the one. Yep. Um, but he's, you know, future Sinclair is, is, is talking to Delenn. Clearly. You know, at the end, we don't see her because mm, reasons more here suit, you know, at that point, yep, yep. we don't necessarily want to, Want to tip that hand two episodes too early, right? But um, but is, is she the one? I, you know, I, I I don't know who's who necessarily ends up with that that title. But I think at the at the time that this was written, I would say that it was that that it, the indications were that 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 it was going to be Delenn, mm-hmm. the one to unite the two. Peoples together, yeah, I think that's where we're going. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, all of this together makes this a pretty good episode. It's a yeah, I think it's a good episode for plot. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a, a plot episode. There's not as many character beats. There's not as many relationship beats mm-hmm. that I would as I would like um, to see in here. Very little of that, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's definitely very plot-heavy, and, and the plot is good. Um, and I think the most relationship stuff that we get is, is pranking Ivanova at the beginning, which, which can't be a good idea. That's with, always with, which, a dubious choice. That's, that's going to come back, and, and yeah. you think they would know. I right. um, but, but yeah, good episode. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for any time you're going to throw time travel into a thing. Right. And, and that's where I was going. And here we are. Right. Yes. You know, yeah. that, that it's a pretty good episode as it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now add the time travel element. Yeah. And that's going to bring it up for, for both of us. We both love time travel stories. Yes. Oh. And, and this is a particularly, this is the kind of time travel that, well, it's one of the kind of time travels that I like because it, it resonates with me. They, they, they talk about the Flying Dutchman. They reference that a couple uh-huh. times in this episode. To me, it's much more Philadelphia experiment. Totally. And yeah, that, I'm with you. And that, now we're, we're stepping over the line into weirdness in Fortiana, hmm. and that is my, that is my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And uh, absolutely love it. Um, particularly the weirder elements. You know, you, you get the, 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 the basic Philadelphia experiment of the USS Eldridge that was, you know, there was some sort of stealth technology they were testing, and it teleports to another harbor. I've heard New York, I've heard Virginia, I've heard a couple of different places. Um, and then you add, there's there's other elements that, it, you know, over the years, it's just, it's like a snowball rolling down the hill. Mm-hmm. And there's this fellow named um, Al Bielik, who uh, claimed he was a frequent caller to the Art, uh, guest on the Art Bell show. Yes. And his episodes, if you can go out there and find them, you know, they're my favorites, hands down. Uh, claims that, that he was a crew member, uh, and, you know, he, when, when the Eldridge disappeared he was uh, he fell off the side and fell through a time gate into the 1980s and at, at montauk in long island where they were doing time travel experiments and there was 
some sort of chair that would summon a Bigfoot. Um, and, uh, and then he was sent back in time because the reason you couldn't find any records of under his name, because of course there aren't any, what's not a crewman on the, on the Eldridge at the time is because uh, something, something time travel went back and, you know, was born into a, the, a, a different child at, you know, 20 years before he was really born. And it's, it's absolutely nutballs. It's, it's, it's just, it's crazy off the scale. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that we're seeing here. There's, you know, there's these, you know, the, 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 the crewman that's like, uh, I'm crazy when they first come on, I'm shooting at you. It's, it's those kinds of, you know, it's that kind of, uh, uh uncontrolled. We're bouncing around, we, you know, we're, we're, this is definitely not something that human brains were meant to do. Right. Um, you know, bouncing out of control through time. Um, and I like that because, well, it's in the limited sense. It, you know, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't establish nor violate its own time travel rules. Right, right. And that's the place where time travel runs aground for me most of the time. There was an uh, the end of one of the seasons of of Doctor Who, the modern Doctor Who, mm -hmm. where I, I I stood up and screamed at the television, Stephen Moffat, that's not how time travel works. <laughs> and uh, you know, my wife at that point was pretty sure that I'd gone over the edge. Yeah, right. Um, she'd no, suspected for a while. But, yeah, any time that... Any time that, that you, you're using time travel as a plot element and it's, and it's not being used consistently or not really... Sorry, I'm getting heated. I'm going to take a deep breath. Um, <laughs> thinking about that, that terrible, terrible Doctor Who. Um, it... Yeah, yeah, it's... It's used as a as a tool, but not uh, not being abused here. Yeah, yeah. And we'll get more of it with as as the series goes on. Of course. Yeah, um, there are there are connections that are being suggested, or mm -hmm. that are being sort of hinted at, yep. that will get will get developed and unpacked as the show, you know, as the show proceeds. Um, yeah. I think the doctor says, you know, they, you know, they sent, you know, told me to do this. Well, you don't know who they are, and we'll get we'll get a lot of this stuff down the line. They told me to get the biggest of the stations. Right, and Zathras is is uh, is never wrong. I think. No. Clearly. Yeah. Um, this, you know, character comes on speaking wisdom. Right. For once. <laughs> exactly. I think I think as time travel stories goes, this is one of the better examples in genre fiction mm -hmm. or in genre, genre mm -hmm. TV. Um, yeah, it doesn't it uh, uh, it it doesn't sort of uh, belabor its explanations, and it doesn't uh, mm -hmm. um, it doesn't violate its own rules. Yeah, it's yeah. not. Uh, it doesn't important. feel self indulgent. We're looking, you. We're looking at you, Barry Allen. Oh, don't even you. I am M much like our <sighs> relationship to Babylon Five itself. We love and hate time travel stories, <laughs> and the Flash is probably the the worst uh, offender. I in, have in, in modern uh, television. God bless. I have had to buy three new televisions for throwing <laughs> stuff at Barry Allen. You know, we um we we watched Arrowverse on Netflix, so we're watching last mm -hmm. season. Okay, mm -hmm. and. The, I'll use the word logic because I don't have a better word in English. The logic <laughs> that Barry Allen uh -huh. offers for his decisions, contemptibly stupid. And he needs uh, Victor Garber to come over from, mm -hmm. from Legends and just slap him. Repeatedly mm -hmm. until he gets some sense, because yeah. the only the only in character any, in any one of those shows inclusive. Well, and even he doesn't have any sense because of what he did with his daughter. So I retract the point. They're all stupid. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Jeez. Yes. It's, it's, it's quite a collection of people who aren't thinking about the longer term consequences of <sighs> anything they do. You ever watch television? Anyone on this? Sh any of these shows inclusive? Ugh. Drives me crazy. And to have John Wesley Ship give him that advice, it's like, no, he, uh, maddening. <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it, though? You know, right. We all have our, our instances where time travel is just, you know, 
it's done wrong. That's not yeah. how it's supposed to work. Right. right. Yeah. Or yeah. You know, once you've once you've started, okay, let's take your uh, your thesis that you've created mm-hmm. an alternate universe. Stop mm-hmm. talking about getting back to the real one. You'll never be able to mm-hmm. find it in an infinite strand of universes. But surely, if you just spent a little time looking, you could find one where your parents remain dead without Mm -hmm. the cost having been Cisco's brother is also dead. And Diggle's kid is the right kid. It's it's like it always goes back to The Simpsons. It's like the Simpsons okay. time travel episode Go. where, you know, Homer goes back in time and steps on something oh, and comes back and everything's it's raining wrong donuts. and there are no donuts and, you know, and they're raining from the sky. And, and at the end, he, 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 he comes back and I, I don't even remember what the end of it is. He's like, eh, it's close enough. You know, you will find a good enough timeline. This isn't the one. Right. No, this isn't, you know, sure, you can, you, but, but keep trying because you haven't gotten it right. Right. And you, what, what, mm-hmm. what I, what I wanted and I was saying this to John as we were watching this episode, and it was clear I wasn't going to get what I wanted. I wanted, I, I, I wanted uh, uh, him to show up in just like in that Homer episode that you're talking, uh, the Simpsons episode, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I want him to show up, and all sorts of things are interestingly wrong that you can that you can reveal in thirty seconds. Shh, try it again. Mm-hmm. Shh, try it again. Shh, try it again. Right? Yep. And then yeah. Barry talking to. Um. Um, John Wesley Ship saying, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I have really done some work here. And he's like, you sure have, but at least you found a universe that is close enough. At least you found one where a real estate mogul tele- uh, reality television producer isn't president. Right. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, so that, yeah, infuriating because, yeah. because the yeah. decisions that come from it Kind of don't make mm-hmm. any sense. Now, yeah. go. But this is but you're bringing us back to Babylon Five, yes. and I think this is just where you're going to go. This is done. This is nice and clean. Correct. We don't have a lot of of other knock-on effects from the time travel. Correct. The ship moves. Presumably, it's moved around, maybe back and forward with a number of different jumps. Right. It gets here. Zathra says, you know what? We brought it here to get the people off. Right. Maybe it's as close as he can get, to, or it's at the right time, so that, that Babylon 5 is there and they can they can evacuate the whole thing. Right. But but we don't have a lot of unintended, you know, consequences going on here. Um, what would be interesting, uh, you know, we get the flashback when, um, when Garibaldi, you know, flashes back to his last conversation with Lise. Right. Before leaving Mars. Right. And... And it's clear that at the time he's 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 aware that he's out of time, that he's been displaced. You know, what's interesting to me is is that how the conversation went the first time? Interesting. Yeah. Did he when when he said something like no? I forget what his line was. I should have written it down. But he's like, you know, no, don't leave me again. You know, did he say that the first? Is is he bouncing back so that that you know? Again, you know, t- talking about time travel is is, is not easy. Yeah, right. You, know, you have to use the the future, past, blue perfect in order to, <laughs> to get things across. But is that what he said? You know, did he did he bounce back into his into his you know three years ago body to to, to talk to, to have that conversation to lease? Um, yeah, there might be little things like that that might that might throw some things off. But uh, but overall, this was a nice, clean time travel. I liked it exactly. Um, when you think about time travel in the in the genre, mm-hmm. what are a couple of episodes that really sort of come to mind of other programs? You know, to kind of you know kind of yeah. get the listeners thinking about time travel. Or hey, if you want to see this done in a really nice way, go watch X, go watch Y, go watch Z. I've got a couple mm-hmm. in, in in mind. We've talked about yesterday's Enterprise a half dozen times on this on this program, and that is still one of my favorites. I think. Yep. Um, yep. Yesterday's Enterprise is a season three, I think, episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, in which yeah. uh, a ship from the past travels through a, um, a time-space anomaly, mm-hmm. and when it 
and when it arrives on the other side of the anomaly, its non-presence in the in in the when it should be mm-hmm. um, turns the Federation into uh, uh, Starfleet into a, a kind of unrecognizable military entity fighting a uh, you know kind of a, a a death struggle against a resurgent Klingon Empire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Extraordinary the, episode. The, the the alteration of the timeline, even though even though it's only briefly, you know, you're kind of you're caught up in the flow of what would have happened if this is not fixed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then, when it's fixed, things snap back into the original configuration or, or close thereto. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, that's that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about when I say rules of time travel. You know, working and and kind of respecting them, you know, working out pretty well. Yeah. Um, I, I, I love the movie Looper. I need to go back huh. and watch it again. Um, I've never seen that, it. I think it's really, uh, I think it's really well, well done. And it's one of those things that just hurts your brain. Yeah. To, to kind of watch and try to try to piece together the order of things. Um, you know, similarly, similarly, uh, 12 monkeys. Uh, oh yeah, right? which what a the great movie, movie! Fantastic. The show I, I haven't seen much of, um, but I do. It's on my list to go back and watch at some point because I love that kind of thing. Where, yeah, you've got the future and the past playing off each other, mm-hmm. and is it is it are things fixed? Is time mutable? Um, is the present changing because of what's happening in the? Is the person coming back changing the present, and therefore it's changed what happens in the future? Mm-hmm. Um, those are those are some things where I, I I love to see that kind of interplay and the and where you have to really sit down and 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 strain your brain to figure out what's what's going on here. Yeah, right, for sure, for sure. Yeah. What are some things that um, you have? When um, I think one of the most interesting and bewildering pieces of time travel storytelling is the movie Primer. Mm. Oh, you haven't seen this, Chris? Am I thinking of Primer and I said Looper? Okay, so Primer is was made for a song. Nothing, right? A couple of guys build a time travel machine basically in a um in like a like a public storage, okay? Oh, I meant Looper. Okay, Good. you meant Looper. not failed yeah, me. Yeah. I meant Looper. I have not seen Primer, but I need oh, to check it out. Yeah, I've Chris. Great things about it. Yes. I mean, the guy who made this film, his name is Shane Carruth. Mm-hmm. I've watched both of his films, Primer and another film called Upstream Color. These hmm. films are so interesting. They're so hard. Hmm. Because yeah. they're, they really expect the audience to, to do some real, real mental work, right? They're very different, mm-hmm. but, they're, but they're, they're examples of what you can do with virtually no money if you've got a really mind-bending script. Primer mm-hmm. was one of those movies that I just, the more I'm watching, I'm like moving closer and closer to the screen. You know, mm-hmm. like, what, are, what is going on? Am I really, am I even close to understanding this, right? Um, definitely watch it, okay? And, and you know, maybe, you know, kind of kind of tell me. And I'll put Looper on mine because I've never seen that. Is that um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Bruce Willis? Oh, yeah, that is on my uh, list. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet, but it's on my list. Um, when I think about television... Um... Assignment Earth from the original mm-hmm. from the original mm-hmm. Star Trek series with uh, where they go back to 1968 and interact with a character named Gary Seven, who totally I mean it was meant as a uh, as a sort of a, a backdoor pilot, and boy I wish they'd given Gary Seven something to do because he was so great, yeah. uh, great cat, and a yeah and a great cat right. Mm-hmm. Uh, loved that episode. Um, mm-hmm. I loved the episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. I think it's called Cause and Effect, where they're stuck in a 
recursive with Kelsey Grammer with Kelsey Grammer, mm-hmm. right? And yep. over time, come to be aware on that, uh, you know, you know, my mm-hmm. ninth sense is telling me that something is not quite right here. You know, mm-hmm. I like the way that that was written and the way that the story was was developed. I thought they did a, mm-hmm. uh, I thought they did a really nice job of 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 bringing that, uh, you know, of bringing that forward, um, mm-hmm. and the Deep Space Nine, two Deep Space Nine, uh, three Deep Space Nine episodes. Good grief, um, Trials and Tribulations, mm-hmm. where the DS Nine crew goes back to, you know, the trouble with Tribbles, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with Cisco's uh, Cisco's offering a story to temporal investigations, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, James T. Kirk, what a menace! The, he's got a file <laughs> as thick as a as thick as a house over here, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, you know, you, you see Dax in that uniform, you the old technology and all those old sounds, yeah. dynamite, right? And yeah. um, uh, far beyond the stars. Mm-hmm. In which which, we, which we've talked about, uh, and mm-hmm. then um, a, an episode of season four called "The Visitor," in which we meet an elderly Jake Cisco, mm-hmm. whose life was sort of permanently pushed off of its correct pathway because of the death of his father, because of the death mm-hmm. of of uh, of Ben Cisco, which. Um, uh, I found, you know, if, if, I, if I'm going to put together a top five list of of Deep Space Nine episodes, Visitor's probably first. I mean, I found it mm-hmm. very moving. Um, you've got your example from Doctor Who as, you know, hate, 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 and hate, right? Yeah. Th- there are other good ones from Doctor Who, certainly, although they don't usually use, I, I think... It doesn't usually use time travel as a as a tool, right? At least, certainly not in it in the classic series. Uh, you know, where it's like, oh, I'll just you know, where they pull a Bill and Ted uh, of <laughs> of oh, well, you know, we'll just in the future we'll remind ourselves to come back and put the key under this bush. Uh, That's the best time travel know, movie ever. It really is. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I you know, I will I will die on that hill. Um, San Dimas High School football made, I mean, rules. So great, Johnson. uh, uh, But yeah, you don't, and 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 really, it's because that's because that's that's how that's how people would think to use time Mm -hmm, travel mm -hmm. to do things like that. Yes, we're going to go back and grab Joan of Arc, you know. Uh, Yeah, we're going to hide the the key under the bushes over here. Sure, that's you know when you start thinking about time travel and these things are possible, right? You know, yeah, that's what you you know that's what you the kind of stuff that you do. Um, There are some very good pieces in the modern Doctor Who that uh, use time travel. And I I particularly liked the interplay between the Doctor and River Song. Didn't love her character all the time mm-hmm. in the modern Doctor Have you watched any of the modern Doctor Who? Do you know who I'm talking about when I say River Song? Uh, no. Okay. It's the, the Doctor's wife. Okay. You know, the first time they meet, uh, she knows him. Oh, it's you. Hello. Well, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, he's never seen her before. Oh, wow. Weird. Um, he's, he's, you know, he's moving forward in time. And more or less each time he runs into her, it's earlier in her timeline. <sighs> so, so things are kind of out of, out of sequence until eventually there's a time when he meets her when, you know, after he's now known her for years and she doesn't have any idea who he is yet. Oh, wow. Nicely done. So, yeah. It's, 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 and she's not a time traveler, you know, well, maybe. Okay. But, uh, sometimes, um, but he just happens to be, because he's bouncing around all over the place. He's hitting, you know, meeting up with her at different points in her, in her life. And, uh, and I loved it. And I love the, well, you know, okay, so here's where, you know, she has done this, but she hasn't done that yet. And he doesn't know about this Yeah, yet. right, right. And, and and I'm sitting there watching this with, with my wife, with Allie, who hates anything time travel. Yep. 
um, because it just she just she can't get her brain around it. Right. You know, and she's just like, I just don't understand. I'm like, look, look, I'll draw you a picture. And I pull out, you know, pull out a whiteboard and I'm like, OK, so he's moving here and he's bouncing along like this. Right. And her life is and she's like, this doesn't look like anything to me. Right. Please stop talking. And that, that of course, makes me love it more. Uh, uh, yes. But but that's that's a particularly you know nice element of time travel that I've that I've really liked in that show. And then they went and they you know, pushed it too far and said, Oh, that's how the universe works. No, it's not. <laughs> you can't, you can't, you can't fool the universe by putting someone else inside an astronaut costume. Doctor who, I'm sorry. It doesn't eh. breathing. Deeply. What? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, uh, you have way more who in your background than, than, than yeah. I do. I, I can never yeah. get past the, the doctor transitions to the new doctor thing. Like I get committed to my, to my doctor. And then Mm -hmm. when they, they switch, I'm like, I don't want to watch this anymore. And I can never get past it. Right. Really. There's only two doctors that I've ever paid any attention to Pertwee, Mm. you know, from, you know, from, from, from the seventies who was dynamite to me. And then they, they switched him to Baker and I was like, no, I'm done. Everyone else is like, Baker, Baker started watching. Yeah. Yeah. Most people did. And, and, because that's when the PBS, you know, when I was when I was of age, that's that was being shown on the PBS here. And then when they switched out uh, from Baker, you know, I, I never really watched it again until later on when I was in college and went back and started watching more of the you know of the older ones, the the, the predecessors, the right, the the Bertwees, the, the Troutons, the the Hartnells, right. Uh, and I was a big fan of the uh, Capaldi, mm-hmm. uh, because I like Capaldi, right? Yes. So when he took it over, I'm like, oh, well, I like Peter Capaldi already, so I'll, I'll go watch yeah. him. And I, I thought, think it suffered from bad writing. Uh-huh. I, wish, I wish he had better writing over the past few years. Yeah. I thought it was all right. Mm-hmm. You know, but again, I have, I have no frame of reference. Mm-hmm. I've never watched mm-hmm. um, yeah. Matt Smith or um, David Tennant. Mm-hmm. I never watched any of them. Yeah. So They were good. Um, they were good. I would put as my probably worst time travel episode the voyager year of hell in which that i've seen okay well essentially they get there's this uh race of beings called the krenim who can alter the timeline okay they have the Mm -hmm. uh, they have technology to do this and voyager appears on their time maps as a as an anomalous entity right so they go to try to sort it out, and when they when they when they start fiddling with it, they take their massive empire and turn it into basically, uh, you know, like an, an agrarian settlement on one planet, and their whole empire's, you know, destroyed. This the the the, the guy who's doing this is trying to reset. The, he's doing Barry Allen essentially, right? Uh-huh. And they essentially torment Voyager mm. for 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 a, a, you know a year. Um, mm-hmm. and then everything resets back to normal. Mm. And there was like, because they, because they kept Voyager from going and, and fiddling with their, with their empire. The, the Voyager, uh, Voyager ends up like sacrificing itself by crashing into this time ship. Both mm-hmm. ships are destroyed. The consequence of which is the timeline is reset and, and nothing happened because there was never a time ship to begin Correct. with. Correct, and that seems lazy. was infuriating because what that show mm-hmm. needed was a little bit of Game of Thrones. Yeah, right. I can Kill remember off a half dozen characters right. before the opening credits. Right, I can remember talking to someone. I don't remember who it was uh, when, with the sort of season one of Voyager was over, and we said, "What this show really needs is to be so." kind of cold-blooded with its characters mm. that by the time we get back to Earth in season seven, the entire cast is different. Everyone's dead. They've been replaced. Yeah. They, Everyone's they picked dead. picked up new people along the way. Yeah. Right. There's children of the originals. Right. It's, you know, everything's... Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you're going to do a time travel story, commit to it. Yeah. And, and you know, com- commit to, you know, consequence or what have you. So, I don't know. Yeah. Well, speaking of time, I think that we are just about out of ours for today. Indeed, we are. Uh, we could talk about this. I haven't even touched on the Legion of Superheroes. Good lord, that was my gateway drug into uh, right. into time travel as a child. Right. You know, 
let's build this big, uh, you know, storyline in the in the 30th century, and then, you know, like a magician's trick where you yank the tablecloth out. Yeah. Let's just pull all the underpinnings of that timeline out, and then let's right. see what happens. Right. Oh, that was, uh, yeah, that was that was a hoot. But anyway, hey Rocky, uh, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Again, again. <laughs> um, we will talk more about that on our uh, Legion of Superheroes uh, podcast. Oh, God bless! For which I am singularly unqualified. I'll get Sudra. Uh, yeah, 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 or John, yeah. or indeed both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but me. Good grief! Sign him up. Run, yeah. run for the hills. Yeah. You don't want me Although talking I'll about need, that. Yeah, we'll need we'll need time travel in order to have enough time to in my day to to, to do another podcast. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, Yes. Well, I hope that everyone out there has enjoyed this, uh, our rambling discussion about uh, time travel, about the Mimbari culture and the other sorts of things today. Let's know, let us know what your uh, maybe favorite, where you think time travel has worked well in stories, mm-hmm. where it hasn't worked, where it's been uh, abused by ham-fisted writers who, uh, who just you, like it as a lazy excuse for not finishing out a story properly. Uh, let us know on Facebook. Uh, the name of the pod is the name of the page. You can find <laughs> us there and find a lot of good discussion. Um, you can email us, although not many folks do. I should check and make sure that's still working. Um, at the name of the pod at gmail.com. Um, there is a website where you can also leave comments. Um, I think Facebook is probably the, the, the vehicle where people get to us more, yep. but yep. Google, you'll find us out there. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, and we're coming to a, a wrap. Very soon uh, on season one of Babylon Five here. Yeah, and uh, and season one of the name of the pod. Yeah, yeah, we are. So we've got we are rolling two more to episodes the end. to go. Yeah, and we will uh, we'll do two more episodes of the show as we wrap up the 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 season one of Babylon Five. We'll do a closer episode to give us an overview of season one, and then we're, we're going to take some time off in January uh, in December. Be back in January to start talking about season two. And we hope that you will join us uh, next week and again after our, after our brief hiatus down the line to continue the discussion. I'm looking forward to it. All right, All right Chris. Until see you next then. week. All right. See you. Bye. Bye.